I love movies. The bubbly. Gosh, I love movies. Woo! How's it going, everyone? Welcome to the Grindhouse Podcast, putting the sin back in the cinema every Monday. Matt, we got a jam-packed show today. How are you doing over in Austin, Texas? I'm good. I'm excited about our jam-packed show today. Awesome, awesome. Well, before we get started, I want to start on a little bit of a serious note. Um, A a fantastic actor, uh, someone who has been a treasure in the horror community for many years, uh, and, and, and Grindhouse films for decades, Sid Haig. Um, my understanding is that he had some sort of accident over the weekend and um, is currently in the ICU unit. Yeah, I heard, that's all I heard too. It was just accident. Uh, I hope he's going to be all right. He's he's a guy. He's one of my favorites, man. Sid Haig is just he play whether he's playing the straight man or the psychopath. He whatever he's doing in a movie, he's always he's always still Sid. Uh, right. Going back to the seventies, he's always been that same kind of just you know tall scary man with a bald head but uh, uh he, you know, he, he adds a color to every film he's in right you know i think he was in coffee was he not i believe he was in coffee or foxy brown or several of those films back in the day the sort of black exploitation films um, had a resurgence working with rob zombie obviously on house of thousand corpse and uh, devil's rejects oh the first well the first one i ever saw him in was this weird film from the 70s about these guys that were diving for pearls off the coast of the philippines and oh. Sid, when they got to the island, Sid was like their um, their guide. Of course, the the uh, area that had the pearls was its own little secret island, and it had some kind of weird humanoid um, fish people living on it. And uh, Sid and and the crew had to fight them. But uh, otherwise, that would have been a terrible movie. But Sid Haig, his performance just saved the whole thing. Well, I, I first came across him uh, when he was in Jackie Brown. He does a cameo. And Jackie Brown as the judge. And my understanding is she hadn't seen him in years and yeah. actually didn't even know that Tarantino had cast him. So when she walked into the courtroom or when he came out as the judge, it was a shock to her, uh, you know, as it was to the audience that <laughs> got that understood that connection. Yeah, he's a cool so, guy. Yeah, super cool guy. We wish him a, a very speedy recovery and we hope that his family's around him uh, during this time and that uh, he's back on his feet. You know, sooner than later. Yeah, and I know we are all looking forward to Three from Hell, which uh, will be coming out this summer. Is it on the on the way? It's coming out soon. soon no, right? in the next few weeks, I think. Excellent. Yes, so go see that. Support Sid, and let's hopefully all as a community wish him uh, a quick recovery. It's it's festival season now. Some really cool festivals come out um, in Los Angeles. They're about to launch Beyond Fest. Not sure if you're familiar with that. No, it's very much in the spirit of, say, a Fantastic Fest or some of the fests that Alamo Drafthouse throws, where they they sh- uh, shine a spotlight on both, you know, movie mostly smaller movies. Um, what, there's a, a Girl on the Third Floor is going to be uh, premiering. Joe Bob's Briggs has a film coming out. How Rednecks Saved Hollywood. Okay, I like him a lot. The new Nick Cage movie that's based on a H.P. Lovecraft story. Do you know which Lovecraft story? Color Out of Space. Is that the one where the uh, the hillbilly guy is having all the hallucinations and his doctor uh, thinks they might be something real and then it turns out that the hillbilly weird Appalachian man was actually possessed by some uh, 
crime fighting entity from another galaxy or something like that. I don't know. I, I, I'm not familiar with the story. I hope it's a, about that. I like that one. That's a good Lovecraft story. Color. Well, I'll be looking that up. Yeah, he, he's got so many. They all kind of blur together in just this strange, like psychedelic, uh, existential, weird, pan-dimensional mesh mash. You know. And and really, when you think about it, who better to star in one of these films than Nicolas Cage? Who I feel like in the later part of his career has really just embraced the weird. And he's in a and he's in a position where now he's sort of untouchable and he can do weirder stuff. Yeah, he's he's definitely at a strange point in his career these days. He's just uh, he's he's they're they're cool jobs though. You, you can tell it's like it's not like at first it might have looked like it was just kind of like wow, Cage is just taking any job he can get, which which I do believe he does. But l- lately, it's been working out. He's and I think there is some curating going on with the jobs he takes. I think he is taking things that are that look interesting to him because they they've all been really cool roles that he just gets to shine in and just be his his crazy self well and i would assume that if he's been even remotely financially responsible he should be at a point in his career where off residuals alone he can live comfortably above the average person and and kind of pick and choose to work on films that interest him i mean i think that they're in this country once you become a meme you're sort of untouchable. Yeah, he's probably getting all kinds of royalties from all those uh, animated gifs that he gets on the uh, internet. And face off. <laughs> face off. Still living off residuals from face off in Raising Arizona. The Rock, Con Air. Those are two different movies? The Rock and Con Air? Yes, they are. <laughs> one, one is a short-haired Nick Cage and one is a long-haired Nick Cage. But they both involve airplanes and Alcatraz. Uh, I don't think Con Air involved Alcatraz. I see, but it did have uh, it did have a, a more it didn't it didn't also didn't have Sean Connery, but it did have John Malkovich. So same same. Yeah, they they do feel so much like the same movie. I was talking to my friend the other day, and we we got on talking about a uh, Wild at Heart, where oh, uh, you know Nicolas Cage is just a wild hillbilly fighting man it's punk rock crazy hero and takes on the mafia and i was telling him you know, something about wild at heart and raising arizona they've always felt very similar to me and uh he's like oh is it because they both have nick cage in them no that's not it <laughs> it's not that I don't, like that didn't even occur to no, me i, I don't know he's, mm, yeah, it's, it's, no it is that that's the, it's just it it is that but I, I, don't know, I don't know but it's that's the thing about nick cage is he's he can be in two different movies and you don't even think of him. Oh, yeah, they have the same leading man because he's so different in each film. Well, and also that was like an era where Nick Cage was a young actor taking bold choices versus oh, yeah. now. Now we've got him as the old grizzled veteran who's taking chances because he, he he's untouchable. Well, I do miss skinny hillbilly Nicolas Cage because those were some great roles, man. Well, hopefully we'll watch um, Color Out of Space and, and he'll... He'll bring back a little bit of that old cage to the silver screen. Yeah, looking forward to that. So what else but, are you going to be attending this festival? Yeah, so I got several tickets to it. And it made me, it reminded me so much of festivals that Alamo Drafthouse would throw. And that reminded me of one of our early, early collaborations. Um, we did, do you remember Filmmaking Frenzies? Uh, filmmaking Frenzies? Yeah, they were the 48-hour film fest. Oh, that yeah, that's what I remember it as, 48-hour film festival. That's what I thought it was called. 
Yeah, so so the way these things worked is you were given um, a line of dialogue, a prop, and some subgenre of horror, and you had to make a short film in 48 hours. That's right. You were given it, what, like, what was it? I think it was 7 o'clock on Friday night, and yeah. we had to have it at the film festival by something like 5 o'clock on Sunday afternoon or something, and then it was aired, yeah, something- and then they screened it Friday night, or Sunday night they screened it. Yeah. yeah, something like that. I mean, it was very fast. We didn't sleep a lot. No, but no, I, I came across the old video and <laughs> so pretentious at the time. I made a behind the scenes of it with interviews of everyone. And, and you were you were the leading uh, protagonist of this film, if there is such a protagonist. Yeah, I guess just, so. Yeah. Really yeah so what, chaos. Was, what, what did they give us? We had, I remember there was something some up. It had to be a first person thing. Was that first person? That was ours, right? First yeah, first-person shooter, Okay, which I, I, I cheated on quite a bit. Well, I think we just had to have some. I mean, you can't do a whole film. like Well, now you can. Yeah, I guess uh, they've can, got a yeah, few of those but, out. But but we did have some scenes that were like that yeah. kind of first-person cam with a kind of like, you know, like you're playing Doom and the right. weapon is in front of the screen. Um, and what else was there? The, there was a lot of dialogue, and I don't remember what it was, but uh, one of our yeah, friends. Yeah, we got some line or something that we were supposed to say. This was very much a film that was fueled on delirium for lack of sleep and a lot of beer was being drank. And so there's a, there's some scenes in it where there uh, it's a, a drunk sort of frat party in the woods. And let's just say that a lot of the actors were getting very method yeah. in their performances. <laughs> well, I re- so I remember we, so we got the prompt and we got to my house and I think it must've been maybe nine thirty, ten 10 o'clock at night and yeah. uh, when we finally got everybody together and we had to come up with a plot and I had this idea of like that scene that every zombie movie has where the uh, the heroes are trapped inside of some kind of building and they've got to get across a, a field or a parking lot to the escape and right. they're psyching themselves up for that moment when they're going to open the doors like a, and, like and Dawn of the Dead. Yes, and they're going to take off and and fight their way through the the crowd of zombies. And right. if we don't show the zombies and they're just kind of outside moaning and stuff, we we can imply that that's what's going on. Right. And then the idea was when the doors open, uh, you, you see that it's not actually zombies outside. That all the grunting and was was drunk frat Stumbling. boys. Uh, yes, drunk frat boys at a party in the woods, and we right. are the two serial killers hiding in the shed psyching ourselves up to go kill them yeah yeah which is awesome and that that so, and i don't know if it we we had five minutes to make the uh length for the film i think it was about five minutes I, long no i don't even think it was that long it, i think it yeah. was like a minute maybe no it, fast. It, it, no it was it, there was more than one minute <laughs> yeah it was, was, it? A, it was about it was like a music video because i was no because think about because bob was uh one of the victims and his dialogue was at least a minute long where he's just oh, that's a good point. talking on the phone. <laughs> but, uh, I, and I don't remember, I don't think we pulled it off. I got to say, I, I, I remember coming up with the idea and, and then there was some, some guy there that was working with us and he was like, I'm a script writer. I'll write it. And oh, I, yeah. I remember him handing it back to me oh, after he wrote it. And I was just kind of like, this does not tell that story, but, we don't have enough time to do anything about it. So let's go. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Look, you, you got to take your, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. And this, this was something that we did over 10 years ago. So when, when you're looking back at it now, then, and you're and, and, and honestly 
for what it was and what we and the level of experience we didn't have, yeah, it's pretty decent, all things considered. I mean, I think you, you and I could certainly do something better now. We had but... a, a live practical effects decapitation. We did. I mean, we did. We, right we on camera, off. and we were bold too. We put right close up so you could see you how see fake it. and terrible it looked. But but it, you know what? It, at least we didn't CGI it. No, and, you know, and we, and we, we, kept we made a we made a special little machine. I think we used an air compressor or something that uh, we used it shot a, blood um, out of the neck. Yeah, you know, you know where you spray uh, uh, pesticide. You know, like the the hand pump pesticide. Oh, that, yes, it was one of those. That's what we That's used right. for the blood spray. <laughs> then, and and there's a great there's a great moment in the behind the scenes where I'm using a water bottle to squirt blood on you, and uh, you don't look pleased by me getting blood all over your face. And I think at one point I got in your eye. I apologize for that. Oh, it's it happens okay. sometimes. It happens, yeah. Yeah, but, it was, um, uh, sticky movie blood. Uh, that stuff was gross, man. Yeah, it it was it was a lot of fun. It was a little trip down memory lane, and just thinking about festivals and stuff like that those, i mean those are the things that really got me into film and really made me enjoy it and like even now as i work on sort of bigger projects it's it's that sense of fun that we had then that i always try to maintain because that's what it's kind of all about right oh, yeah and it was and it was really fun and, and i'd like to think at some point we're gonna make a proper grindhouse short you and i Again, oh, okay, yeah, and, and, maybe, and maybe we'll do it under the same circumstances. Maybe we'll give ourselves we'll self-imposed forty-eight hours and gather some buddies up and just go go see if we if we still have some of that old magic. I'll, I'll bet we've got a little magic left. <laughs> but it was it was our it was our it was our reliance on practical effects. Not that we had a budget for CGI, but our our attempts at practical effects that I thought was really really charming in the short and. It's set in stark contrast to a movie I saw this weekend, which was It Chapter 2. Okay. Now, Is this a I, Dave goes to the movies? Or are we about to do something here? Eh, well, I wanted to go to a drive-in because I thought it'd be like, Dave goes to the drive-in. But apparently, oh. they're not. there's not many of them these days. So I just went to a, I went to the <laughs> Alamo Draft House. So uh, if, if I was using my middle name, we could have we done some alliteration. But I don't use that on this show, so... Dave goes to the movies, I guess. Dave uh, dined at the movies. How about that? I had I had a Beyond Burger. I think that should count. So you wanted to do um, you wanted to do Dave at the drive-in? I thought that'd be dope, right? Yeah, that would be. We'll find you a drive-in uh, somewhere. You might have to drive one. a few hours to get to one, but there's got to be. Like, well, it's fine because I could just park my car there because it'll be a drive-in. <laughs> yeah, it'll work right. out fine for me. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I went to the Alamo Draft House here in Los Angeles and I saw it, Chapter Two, and. It's the movie's still it's always opening weekend. I'm not going to go into plot or spoilers or anything like that. Maybe we could do that on a different show when you've had the opportunity to see it. But I do want to address something. Dave at the draft house. Oh, there you go. Yes, Dave <laughs> at the draft house. I like it. Um, I do want to address something. So I've seen and look. I I understand that Twitter and the internet in general is sort of a hellscape, and nobody's opinion on their matters. But I've seen a lot of complaining about it chapter two and some of them are valid complaints i do think that there was with again with no spoilers attached i think there was an over abundance or an over reliance on the use of cgi i think that's i would have liked to see them attempt more of a blend of practical effects and visual effects you know some things of course you just can't do but but even like stuff like balloons you could tell they're all cgi and it's like 
Just blow up some real balloons. Balloons. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. And you could tell. Yeah. Yeah, I could tell. I mean, but look, this was this was true in the first one in chapter one as well. Uh, it's just that I think that if you're familiar with the story of chapter two, given some of the um, the manifestations of Pennywise, I think there, of course, you should expect there's a a heavier use of visual effects. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. look. It, it's it it looks a lot better than the effects in the 1990s miniseries. Well, I'm sure of that. Uh, that was some of the. That, I mean, that was like some after school, after school special, uh, you know, HR Puff and stuff looking kind of effects to me. That was really uh, really weak. I, I haven't it, watched it, it since I was a kid, by the way. But I I remember even as a child watching that and thinking, man, that looks super fake. That is. That's bad. Well, I think I think the nature of the story is that when the kids become adults, it loses some of its charm and it loses some of its fun. Because in the first part, you're watching kids and you're being nostalgic and you're remembering what it was like through ro- through rose-colored glasses, what it was like for you and your friends when you were, you know, 14 years old riding around and you can you can sort of identify with that in a way that is pleasant. Uh-huh. When they are adults, you have to then identify with people that are your age now, and that's a lot less fun. You know, no one wants to, to identify with themselves with issues and marital problems and, you know, whatever comes with being an adult, right? Stresses of life. It's just, it's just a little less fun. And I find that a lot of the complaints being levied at it, outside of the CGI, which I do think is legitimate, are complaints towards the source material which then leads me to wonder why did you go see a movie that you were going to hate the source material well the source material does have some weird stuff in it uh that i I, i've read the book and uh i do there were were a few scenes that i just was kind of going uh you know that's a weird weird thing to write there steven right but uh, my point is though i found it chapter two more faithful to the book than the 90s miniseries and far more interesting and and better executed than the 90s miniseries. But I think a lot of the issues that people are having with it are the same issues that you would have seen in the book or the 90s miniseries. So I, I don't know what they were expecting different. Yeah. Uh, I it's don't kind, know. It's, it's, it's kind of like going to watch a He-Man movie and then being mad if there's a sword in it. I got, well, you know, you... You said the movie was about three hours long? Uh, two hours and 50 minutes, yeah. Well, maybe maybe that had something to do with it. You know, when you're in the movies I, I, that long, I mean, that's that's a big dedication. It better be a really good movie. And, and y- yeah, you might start going, man, that thing was three hours long, and I really didn't like this part, and they could have done without that. I, I feel like I would be more critical of a film if it had the pretension to make me sit in a theater for three hours. Possibly. And I, I did a couple of times notice the length, but... There's a part of me that wonders if I would have noticed the length if I hadn't seen people talking about it ahead of time. Uh-huh. Like, it doesn't drag. You know, it's... it's. I felt like it gave the characters the necessary time for them to explore how they got to this point in their life. It's not an action film. It does no. make you kind of sit and, and, and watch it and follow their journey... And it's 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 more dramatic, I think, in some ways in the chapter one. But again, that's part of the story that is that has always existed. 
So I don't know if you have any thoughts, additional thoughts on that. I just found it very strange that people were complaining about the very things that have always been in the story. It's not a new property. I, I think that, you know, we discussed the shining it's, it's in our uh, tournament. Uh, and I, yes. And, and I think that it, it turns out that it might actually be one of those stories like the shining that when it's adapted to film, it needs to be completely reinterpreted because right. trying to stay true to the book, the it's the book is this, it's a, it's a book and it's a long book and it's a, it's a whole different experience because it's something you're supposed to spend the whole, I think Stephen King wrote it to be uh, something you spend the whole summer kind of reading and enjoying and going through. And, you know, it's, it's not something that's supposed to be digested quickly because it's, you see these characters grow and change and there's all these uh, detours and flashbacks and it's, it's a lot of stuff to take in. It's, it's a whole new, it's a whole world and it's, it's uh, full of strange philosophy and mysticism. And um, it's, it's just a, it's, it's not a quick digest experience. And I think to try to make a film that's true to the book and just kind of adapts that, I, I think that was a bad idea. And I, I think it's been a, not a bad idea, I'm sorry, but I think it's just been, it's something very difficult to do. And so I think that someday they will try again. I think there's too much, um, there's just too much money to be had in, in it, I think. But it, I think it'll be a while, but I think someone in the future will try to make a it film one more time. And I think they'll finally have the insight to realize that we have to take this really cool and really scary concept and, and, and find what's at the heart of it, but tell... Um, a story that's more of a, a tell a story that's more conducive to film than it is literature because it's 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 very different. It's uh, it's such what a long you, book. It's not it's not something you can yeah. put in even well, even six hours would, of, of of movie time. That's still not enough. Right. What would you say is the best Stephen King adaptation? Uh, probably The Shining. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's and it's. You know, there's a lot of liberties taken, so much so that Stephen King hates that iteration of his novel. I've, that, and I wonder, I wonder how true that is, because how could anybody really hate that movie? It's really good. Uh, but it depends on how precious you are to your art, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I mean, I understand that. You know, you, you know, things get edited and ideas you had that you thought were were really great, but uh, it's. It just is what it is. Stephen King is not a filmmaker, and Stanley Kubrick was. And uh, sir, he... Maximum Ride. What's up? Or Maximum Overdrive? Maximum Overdrive. What about Maximum Overdrive? Stephen King directed that. Oh, he got to direct it. Well, it's a yeah. lot of fun. I mean, it's a, that's a good movie. It's a it's a cool '80s movie, but it's, I mean, it's artistically, it's not anywhere near on the level of The Shining. It's. No, and and it's not. also a much simpler story than The Shining too, where The Shining deals with psychological issues and you know issues of um, fa- family obligation and and you know what what it would feel like to have your father become this monster you know uh, whereas right. Maximum Overdrive is you know hey man what if you know, all the machines tried to kill us. <laughs> what if cars were da- dangerous? And what? And uh, I think what is it? The Earth gets caught in a comet's tail, or no? Um, is that what it is? Is that it's I like either the Earth gets I just caught remember in a comet's the green, tail, or I just remember um, the Green Goblin truck. That was amazing. Or it's yeah. That there's a spaceship. 
uh, somewhere outside of orbit that was manipulating all the, th- I can't, it's something silly. It's, it's, but, um, that's, yeah, he can do that kind of film. Sure. That was great. It was a lot of fun. And ACDC had the soundtrack and very cool stuff, but to take on, I, I think some of his writing, it gets so, um, ethereal and strange that it really just needs to be in the pages of a book. And if it's going to get adapted to film, it needs to be done by someone who is used to making films that are not um, your average Hollywood blockbuster films, like uh, real art house kind of people. I would argue that maybe it would have been better told in a series format. Yeah, maybe. There's a lot of that going on, you know, a lot, a, a, lot, a lot of Stephen King stuff being done in series right now. Uh, Nosferatu. Oh no, that was no, that was his son. That was not Stephen King. Uh what am I thinking of? There's Is there uh, Doctor Sleep? Doctor Sleep. Yeah, that's good. Is that a series or is that a feature? I I think they did a series of that. I'm not sure. Mm. Um and that was a uh, Doctor Sleep. Isn't that the one that was the sequel to The Shining? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, and that was kind of a cool book. I enjoyed that. Those those characters were pretty weird. I like the idea of the. Did, did you read it? It's like this uh, this weird um, caravan of like Winnebagos and uh, RVs, and they just travel around America. But they're all vampires. Uh, but they're strange vampires. They're like uh, they don't feed off blood. They feed off of uh, whatever energy um, psychic people like psychi- have. Yeah, so, like psychic energy. Yeah, and psychic they, vampires. They have one giant tooth. It's kind of goofy. It's I don't know. Man. See, that's the kind of thing too that when you read it, a vampire with one giant tooth in his mouth that sort of sucks out the psychic energy from the souls of uh, clairvoyance. You know, that's something that in a book you can kind of just say that yeah, probably looks cooler than it sounds. But then once you put it in a film and that giant tooth comes out and you look like the, the vampire looks more like a beaver. Uh, right. I don't know if that's going to, I don't know. I haven't you seen it yet. Who, Maybe it looks cool in the, sh- in the show, but you know it. who should direct, uh, who should have directed this, whom I think could put it off. What it, uh, or, no, or Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep. The, oh yeah. Who's that? Yeah. With a giant, uh, psychic vampire, one, one tooth psychic vampire, Kevin Smith. Okay. Uh, if anyone knows how to deal with a singular tusk, <laughs> I think Kevin Smith would be that guy. Yeah. Should have given him a shot. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe they considered him, but he was too busy making tusk part two. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. Masters of the universe. What was it? So, what's, what was tusk? That? The sequels to tusk, uh, pouch. Uh, what was or... the pouch? Yeah. I like pouch. Pouch is a harrowing story about a man transformed into a kangaroo. Or how about, ooh, how about, you got to make it bigger. It's the sequel. So he's transforming all of the townspeople in this small uh, Mad Max village into kangaroos. Kangaroo people. Mm. Roo people. Yes. Get on it, Kevin. Wait, didn't Tank Girl already do that? Weren't those guys like, weren't those guys kangaroo people or something? Ice-T was one of them. dude, Dude, I don't remember Tank Girl that much. But if Ice T is a kangaroo person, I'm gonna go back and watch that this weekend. You should, Lori Petty, Ice T, very yeah. cool. Uh, we should move on that. though, because. But you know what I did? I, so I didn't see Tank Girl this weekend. But you know what I did see this weekend? Additional to it, Chapter Two. What? That's like a weekend of movies for me. Um, the original Blade Runner Great. at the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Great film. My favorite film of all time, bar none. And the great thing about Blade Runner is every time I watch the film, 
I get something new out of it that I didn't see before. So I want to I want to throw this out at you and um, see if if this is a this is a theme that you have picked up on. I don't know when the last time you saw Blade Runner was, but in Blade Runner, Roy Batty goes and meets Tyrell. Essentially, goes to meet his maker. He's on a quest to meet his maker for more life. Uh huh. Which is actually something that Ridley Scott revisits later on in Alien uh, Prometheus with um, Wayland going to the engineer to ask for more life, which I, I never picked up until most recent viewing. So it's obviously a theme that he's had in his head for a very long time. This idea of like not only making meeting your maker, but being disappointed by your maker's limitations. Okay. So I was thinking as I was watching it, is Roy Batty a stand-in for Lucifer? Roy Batty, the uh, the simulant played by Rutger the Hauer. Replicant. Replicant. Yes, that's right. Replicant played by Rutger Hauer. The late great Rutger Hauer. A stand-in for Lucifer, uh, re- referring to the um, the the mythology of the, the rebellion in heaven, where Lucifer was jealous or or angry at God for making him serve him and tried right. to. So the- get a better job I don't, i'm not sure quite how that went but that's well, what you're referring so, to yeah so if you look at roy batty he's blonde haired blue eyed looks angelic in in his appearance he is his maker's perfect specimen uh-huh um but he's enslaved and and in in blade runner he's enslaved by his short shelf life he's only got four years to live right and and that makes him a slave to it so he leads a rebellion <laughs> to of of other replicants to meet his maker and to either get more life or destroy him and take his crown yeah. and deckard who may or may not be a replicant depending on which version of the movie you saw could be a standing for man hmm okay not not as not as perfect as roy batty but built with if if you subscribe to the idea that Deckard is in fact a replicant, then you could believe that he's a replicant, while not as perfect, also a creation of Tyrell, but one that was born with the freedom of life. Yeah, I could see that. Okay, this is good stuff, man. Where are you going with it, though? I just just thoughts, just <laughs> random thoughts, as I was sitting in the middle of a cemetery and and wondered if 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 there's any credence to this or if i'm just this is just the wine that was talking i was watching this film for like the 80th time <laughs> yeah well i think that's what happens when you watch movies enough times you just start realizing that every story is the same story told in different ways the the names and the actors have changed but the 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 structure right. is there well, the, the themes, right? The themes of, of the idea of who made us, you know, who is our creator is a universal theme, which is the foundation for religions, you know, much less just stories. Yes. ACDC asked we, us on the soundtrack to Maximum Overdrive, who made who? And and I think the follow-up question is, will we like the answer when we get it? No, the follow-up question was, who made you? Who made who? Then they say that again. This yeah. is a great song. And then did they say Tyrell? <laughs> no. 
That AC, uh, you know the AC, they say the, ACDC. They said the engineer? It's, yeah, I know yeah. ACDC. Yeah, that's a, they like, did the soundtrack. It was great. Anyway. Yeah, the sorry, co- they're covered was... in every bar in Midwest America. I was trying to do one of those things great where band. we tie it into something we were talking about earlier. I it's a... Yeah, I know, but I don't, I don't know that song. But <laughs> did, here's a little funny bit of, of info you may or may not have realized. Blade Runner is set in, ni- in 2019. That's right. That's right. The I, events I of Blade saw Runner. Some of the memes earlier this year about that. Yeah, the events of Blade Runner should be happening in two months. Well, we've. Hmm. I don't want to say we're far. We or we didn't come that far. I don't want to say that because, um, as far as uh, uh, what I guess uh, genetic manipulation technology and cloning and whatnot, we're we're not quite there yet. Uh, and as far right. as space exploration goes, we're not quite there yet. But. But they, we've got some things they didn't have. Um, That's right. Smartphones, video games. Uh, I'm sure they had video games. Not, not a cool one like Gears of War Five, which I played last night. It came I'm out this week. Sure, and it's really good. I'm pretty sure I noticed an Atari uh, logo in the background, buried somewhere. Well, if they're still on Atari, then yeah, they're light years behind us. Uh, well, but maybe Atari, maybe in this in this alternate reality. Atari got some like cool tech and their games are like mind blowing that I, they didn't show video games in Blade Runner, but I'm pretty sure if they had, it would have just been something kind of like what you saw in the movie Tron, which is which one, the first or the second one, the the real one, the second one is good as well. The only one people think about when you say Tron. I, I can't soundtrack. believe you even asked which one. That is shocking to me that you even thought of that. But uh, listen, I might prefer Tron Legacy to the original Tron. Weird. I might make that argument. So, uh, and what? So what? Well, Tron took place in its own time, right? Like that was supposed to be. Tron is in a different computer universe, whereas Blade Runner is actually set. Well, at the time that it was made in the future, and the future is now, and it, it got me thinking, like. Like, how far are we off from some of these movie predictions? You know, movies movies will, that, that set their story in the future, it's always like a future from the time that it was made. So, for example, the Atari, right? So, like, when Ridley Scott is imagining, like, advanced video game systems, it's just Atari but more advanced. Yeah. Right? Because that was what was there. Um, you know, I, I thought it was really interesting. You know, Blade Runner... The world of Blade Runner is an infusion of predominantly Japanese culture and what seems to be an underlying level of Hispanic culture that's sort of is pro- the most prominent cultures in Los Angeles. Do you mean in the uh, and, in the in the style of dress? In the style of dress and the advertisements, you know, in the language that they're speaking. The Japanese, right? but um, the Hispanic yeah. stuff I'm saying is that yeah, like the, some of the, the dress dressings? like certain Yeah. Yeah. Had kind and, of a zoot I, suit inspiration, yeah, yeah very cool yeah. stuff. And I was I was watching an interview with David Bowie when he was coming up with his. He was talking about coming up with a Ziggy Stardust character, uh-huh. and because of my age, Japanese culture has just been a thing that exists, and I'm aware of. But I guess previous to the late to the mid seventies, early eighties, Japan was very closed off to us, and. Their culture was very um, uh, mysterious to a lot of Westerners, even as far as, even as recently as the late seventies, early eighties. Oh yeah, I could see that. Uh, I, I, when I was a 
child, uh, or in the '90s, I guess, when I, I started kind of noticing um, indie films and whatnot, and there, there was a uh, cult classics section at the uh, Hollywood Video Store, and I so I started picking films out of there when we'd go to rent movies, and some of those were um, anime films like Akira, right? And uh, that that became like a pretty cool badge at that time. If you know, like 1996, if you had like knowledge of Japanese animation Japan that right. was back when people were still saying Japan anime in uh yeah. in Texas at least we were saying that and um and it's because of that what you're talking about it was very it was very uh, hard to get very exotic you know and uh, you had to you had to read subtitles when you watched it and just not a lot of people knew what you were talking about and you felt you did feel like you were privy to some really cool thing that uh other people you know, we're, we're going to find out about, but you were, you, you were getting there first. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure Ridley Scott leaned into that lack of, of knowledge of their culture when he decided to implement it into the world of Blade Runner so that it would feel futuristic, right? Because these are things that were probably prevalent in Tokyo at the time, but they were totally foreign to Westerners. Yeah. So watching that film and knowing that it's, it's set now and that we're in the future, what are what are a few things from that movie that have not become mainstream yet that you'd like to see us us get a jump on it and start implementing into society? Oh, the main one is just all all of the um, billboards and uh, you know giant advertisements and things in, in Blade Runner. They were they were um, lit up, uh, animated. They had a lot more neon, you know, a lot more glowing stuff. And I would like to see. Uh, maybe some of our uh you know people spend more money on that kind of physical advertisement because we're still Mm -hmm. you know we're still just like a stupid picture on a billboard with a couple of spotlights aimed at it and i know that neon signs are very expensive and uh really cool animated holographic signs are very expensive but hey it's worth it guys because if our city could look like blade runner at night rather than just you know our city with some stupid pictures for a local radio show or a, a new kind of beer. Uh, I would really prefer the uh, neon signs. Agreed. And I know everyone's going to say, well, what about the flying cars? I don't want flying cars. No, I live in Los Angeles. I, I see how people drive in normal cars. I don't want people crashing their flying cars above my apartment and then have a car crash into my bedroom like Donnie Darko. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the accidents are one thing, but Aside from that, just the uh, the normal operation of flying cars would be so freaking annoying. I mean, right. have you have you been, do you know anybody with like a really cool drone? Um, no, but we use them in films sometimes. Yeah, and you probably uh, have to create a separate audio track and dub over yep. it when you use them because they're super loud. Yeah, yeah, and that's just that. I mean, that's just a little thing the size of a bird, you know, that's flying around and. You can hear it, it every you know all the all around. Everybody can hear it. So imagine something big enough to carry four people flying around a city. Uh, the noise would just be horrible, and um, the turbulence that comes out beneath it. I don't even know where you would land such a thing. So uh, right, yeah, exactly. flying cars would just just don't don't even try it. Nobody. We don't wants need that. that. No. What I would like, what I would like, is a the further inclusion of Japanese culture in America. Because it's awesome, 
and we need more of it. And it's a lot cooler than a lot of the stuff we have here. I, I don't think that's, I don't think you know what you're asking. Cause I feel like we already have that and it's kind of starting to manifest itself in, um, like fat white neck beard dudes with trench coats walking around, like with swords, you know, cutting up, uh, mil- uh one gallon jugs with their swords on YouTube. Um, what? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. The, I mean, um, that's not what I'm talking about. America's, I mean, I know what you're saying. America's but... version of anime culture and uh, Japanese, you know, the, the Japanophiles of America, they're some of the worst people to be around. <laughs> Listen, there's lots of pleasant people who love Japanese culture. They do cosplay. They uh, collect movies, art, appreciate it. I'm not talking about the crazy people. Crazy people exist <laughs> everywhere. I'm just saying trench coats that look that are fitted and kind of look cool. And like um, my fiance was showing me some like Japanese advertisements and they're just off the walls. Uh-huh. Like we need more of that. We need more of that fun in our life. I don't know. Uh, we had that whole phase in advertising that came out a few years ago where they were trying to get noticed and they started kind of taking from those adult swim Tim and Eric styles and just doing super weird avant-garde ads that, we're yes. supposed to be funny, but we're just off-putting, and and it's uh, I I know where you're coming from, but it's different when it's an advertiser doing it because I love Tim and Eric, you know when they yeah. when they do something really weird and creepy and kind of gross, it's like uh, it's cool, it's funny, it's it's new, but then when you see an advertiser go, hey, I could do that too, hey guys, uh, also buy this thing, it's it gives me the creeps, man. I don't like yeah, it. I, I don't like that. it when advertisers try to get artistic. You know they. They're sure. just, they're already just creepy, gross guys that are, you know, like if they were, if an advertiser, like if an advertisement was a human, it'd be that guy that tries to give everybody shoulder rubs when they don't want it with like clammy, gross hands and just well always wants something from you. That's an advertisement. Uh, okay. But what do you think about the light up, the neon light up umbrellas? Cause I think we could use those. Oh yeah. Those seem practical. They do. They just uh, and I think we're just starting to get to where uh, battery technology is uh, good enough and LED lights and stuff that uh, neon light-up umbrellas uh, would work really well. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'd totally thing. have that. You just charge it with a USB port and maybe it even yeah. has a little, uh, you know, little little thumb drive in it or something. You could, you know, keep some pictures on it. I don't know. And and while we're on the subject of light-up umbrellas, how about some rain? How about we have some of that Blade Runner rain hit Los Angeles? <laughs> you guys haven't had rain in a while either? It's been a while. Yeah. It's hot as hell here. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about that earlier here. It's been over 100 for like all month. And um, and and your theory is they're looking for water. I've got these these little forest ants that just keep coming in my office. And I have no idea how they're getting in. And they're not aggressive. And they just seem really confused. And they just walk around and die on my floor. And mm. uh, I think you're right. I think they're just uh, thirsty and uh, yeah. kind of coming in from the desert outside. Here's what you do. You should put a little a little saucer of water out for them. Out Like outside the window so they don't have to come inside. Yeah, and put a little sign up That's, Yeah, for the, <laughs> so for, for the ants. It's a, it, of course, it wouldn't have any text. It would just be like a picture of an ant looking all ref- And water, like drinking water. Or like, like maybe like with some floaties, like sitting in a swimming pool looking all refreshed. Yes! Yeah, Matt, if you will, you make that sign, and I will post it on our Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast. Oh wow, what an opportunity! Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, if I have some time, I'll make that. But otherwise, yeah, I'll just keep on having ants in my office crawling around on my computer and stuff. Well, it's possible that they're 
showing up so they could find out the results of this week's bracket. Mm. Yes. And so we don't want those ants to live in suspense forever, nor do we want our audience to live in suspense. So why don't we get into it and find out who are the winners and who's going home on this week's bracket of the Tournament of Terror to crown the horror goat. So this week we had in the in the Dave bracket, we had New Nightmare, Wes Craven's New Nightmare versus The Shinin. Who do you think won? I think The Shining won. Handedly, yeah, handedly. <laughs> that's that, that's a really should. unfair matchup, right there. <laughs> I mean, I think if anyone's expecting this to go any way other than chalk, I think they should be. You know, the, the, look, New Nightmare put in, got in 21, 28 votes, which is not horrible. No, that's pretty. But good. But The Shining got ninety one. Okay, yeah. So The Shining is moving on. They are advancing. Uh, when we get into our quarterfinals. That means that the Omen and the Shining will be facing off in the Dave bracket. Okay, wow. Yeah, that's pretty good. That'll be uh, two, interesting. Two heavies. Yeah. And in the Matt bracket, we had Texas Chainsaw Massacre versus John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness. I think Chainsaw won because people just know Chain- it more. Chainsaw won 108 votes to 21. Uh, 21, though. Not too bad for uh, Madness. It sounds like there's some people out there that like to... Like to think a little more when they watch a horror film. I don't want to like like to get a little weird. We hey, we promote that. Those twenty one people. I hear you. I'm with we you. We salute you. I'm with you. So in the in the in the quarterfinals of the map bracket, we have the Thing versus Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Some pretty some pretty heavies on that. Okay, yeah, that is sad. Uh, interesting for little, sure. What's that? It's a little sad that out of three John Carpenter films, only one has advanced. Well, he is uh, a legend. But, you know, right. it's true that there's there's not really any of his films that have ever been just huge blockbusters. Everybody knows them, you know, word of mouth. Sure. Or, uh, everybody well, knows Halloween. Uh, Halloween, yeah. That's a good point. But but outside of Halloween, you're right. Yeah. They're kind of like, they're, they're, they're kind of like cult, cult gems yeah, they're, for the most part. They're kind of films for people that already like horror films. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so for this week, Matt, continuing on our round one. In the map bracket, you have Let the Right One In versus American Werewolf in London. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I do think Werewolf is probably going to win just because the other one being a foreign film, not a lot of people have seen it. Um, and But please, please do consider, if you've, if you've only seen the American version, Let Me In, don't let that color your judgment of Let the Right One In. Uh, go see it before you make this decision. It's a really cool movie. So so let the right one in, not let me in. Right, right. Yeah, life. the one you're gonna want the subtitled. Uh, I, I think Norwegian film. You're not gonna want the right. the uh, whatever they made for America because it just they, it just they, they they had to soften it up a little bit, make it a little more accessible to American audiences. Right. Kind kind of like what we're talking about with it. I'm sure in some ways. Yeah, could be. Um, and in the Dave bracket, we have Tim Burton's Sleepy Hollow versus Clive Barker's Hellraiser. Mm. It's a tough one. It is a tough one. I mean, Hellraiser is the more classic horror film, although there's plenty of horror elements in Sleepy Hollow, but you could argue that Sleepy Hollow might be the more known film, certainly the more broadly seen film. Uh, I'm not sure about that because Sleepy Hollow at the time was a... did pretty well, but I feel like a lot of people might have even forgotten that it exists at this point. Really? That's for shame. Well, 
like, just like like people like people who are forgotten about Ozzy on, on the new Post Malone album. Oh, I don't know that reference. What what's going on? So, <laughs> I guess Ozzy Osbourne, the fucking legend Ozzy Osbourne. Yes, I've heard of him. Yes, <laughs> did, it appeared on a on a Post Malone track. Oh. Post Malone is a is a rapper of sorts. Yeah, I know I know who yeah. he is. I just didn't know about that track. He, he, he looks like if the Joker um, was homeless. <laughs> so that's and cool. The, Jared Leto did, did him a favor and, and did some uh, yeah. work with him recently. That's cool. Yeah, and and there were some people on Twitter again. The hellscape that is Twitter. Um, follow me at David Os- Dave Oscuro on Twitter. They um, didn't know who Ozzy Osbourne was. Oh boy! And they thought. Oh, this is why I love Post Malone. He sp- he shines a spotlight on independent, up and coming artists. Yeah, nice, up and coming. This guy in his seventies. Uh, wow. God oh. damn it! Oh. And listen, I don't mean to sound. Oh, I don't mean to sound like like an like an aging boomer or anything. You know, I I understand that every generation has its own music. I don't like the Eagles. Okay, no. they're not my jam. Not for me. I know who they fucking are, though. Good point. You know, at Good least point. I know. I know. I know who bands that came well before my time are. I have a, a, a at least a cursory knowledge of their existence. Certainly the the heavies. Yeah, yeah, we know who they are. We're doomed. Okay, now I I hear where you're coming from, and I I think it's probably most younger people today do know who Ozzy is, and this all sounds kind of familiar. Like I feel like maybe a year ago or something, there was something where. One of one of the new Taylor Swift or someone had uh, some um, classic artist that she performed with, and 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 the same kind of thing happened where people were saying, uh, "Oh, good for her, helping out newcomers." And I'm starting to wonder if maybe the kids know that they can get a reaction out of the uh, you know thirty something pluses every time this happens, and they might just be pretending not to know who people are for fun. Listen, it's I, very possible. I would do that. That sounds like a lot of fun. Here's here's the way I look at it. If you're so starved for attention that you have to troll your own ignorance in order to elicit a reaction, I think there are better things you could be doing with your time. Like, I'm all for trolling. I'm cool with that. But, like, think about what you're trolling. You're, 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 You're engaging reaction by coming off like a dumbass. I guess I I still could see the 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 like, fun like, and going Ozzy who that 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 guy's got a good career ahead of him he seems cool good for uh, maybe good for maybe him if Post Malone maybe <laughs> maybe if you're firmly firm tongue is firmly in cheek yeah but yeah. but generally most of these tweets they if they're jokes they're not clever they're not posed in a satirical manner that makes you get like all right that's that's a chuckle. Right, they just come off like they're reveling in their own ignorance. Uh, you don't think, and I don't know. You don't think we kind of deserve it, though. I mean, you're on the microphone no. right now, going, "You need to know your history, young people." I mean, uh, yeah, I think, you do. No, 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 no. You do. <laughs> you do need to know your history. You do. Yeah. That's like there's a famous fucking quote about those who do not learn from history. Yes, you should not be ignorant. Ignorance <laughs> is not okay. Yeah, I I don't I, listen listen if you like listen if you like Post Malone better than Ozzy Osbourne I can't say anything about that. It's a subjective thing of taste. I mean you're wrong, but whatever. Live your fucking life. I don't care. Okay. But there there not this generation nor the last generation or the next generation 
should ever be allowed to be ignorant to the past. Yeah, but what, you don't have to enjoy it. That's what I'm saying, though. That getting reactions like this, even if they're not ignorant to the past, I could see a oh, okay. good motivation to pretend that? that they are. But, but but why? What are you getting out of that? You you seem to be very upset, and it's kind of I, I think if I were a younger person, causing people to react like that, that would be very entertaining to me. Dude, if your whole objective is to troll those of us that are pushing 40, that's fine. Make a podcast. Make a podcast. Put some art out in the world. Make a podcast and laugh amongst your co-host about how dumb Dave is for getting upset that you don't know who Ozzy is or you're pretending not to know who Ozzy is. I'm fine with that. I support that. I'll listen to it. I'll retweet it. Fine. But sitting around... And just trying to get a rise out of people for the sake of it, that's – you might as well just be a Dave Chappelle special. So if that's all, so, if that's all you're going to do. Well, wait, okay. So before we get on that, Dave Chappelle, but you, so you're saying <laughs> – you're basically what I'm hearing here is it's a waste of their time to tweet about how they don't know who Ozzy is, but making a whole hour-long podcast pretending not to know who Ozzy is, that's what they should be doing Absol- with their time. Absolutely. But, you need to hear this, but, kids. You need to listen to this man right now and listen to what he's saying. If you want attention, put something out in the world that's worthy of attention, not just act like a moron. You know, I actually lived this experience once. Uh, it was, I mean, it was about yeah, maybe eight or nine years ago, but I was, I was at a party and I went into the backyard of the party where some uh, young people, they looked to be about 19, 20. They were standing around and they, they had a, um, a, a special kind of cigarette. We'll just say that, uh, the one that you should, oh, it's you, legal. It's legal in California. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the one that you should smoke them if you the got them, you share with your friends, you know? And, um, so we were standing around enjoying that together and, and, and talking about music. And I started talking to yeah. them about, uh, oh, I love like Black Sabbath and uh, Ozzy Osbourne. And, and they were saying, well, we've, we've heard that name, but we don't, we're not familiar with uh, uh, Black Sabbath or Ozzy. We couldn't name any songs. Um, is it good? And, and um, like you, I just I assumed that everybody knew you know, and, and, uh, and they were recommending, recommending to me to listen to stuff like sleep and high on fire. Um, and I got, I got very offended because I thought they were pretending not to know the cool thing I was talking about to mess with me. Right. And I, you know, I didn't say anything. I just kind of had this, you know, in my mind, like if they're going to be that way, I'm not sticking around. So I just went, you know, y'all have a good night. And I I went back inside and, and the next day I, I was, you know, as, as it goes sometimes with that particular, um, plant you uh you get a little paranoid i think and uh the next day i was kind is of that, is that a pun huh is that a pun oh right because black sabbath has an album called paranoid probably about that yeah. because they Ooh. they were they did partake in the uh marijuana quite a bit see uh, kids but, this is um, how you're be, this is how you be clever well no the, no i was just like looking the next day i was looking back over the conversation going like man those kids were so rude and i, I started realizing they were actually recommending stuff to me that they liked that was really good and um that they probably had actually not heard black sabbath or ozzy osbourne they were like 20 years old 
And it's totally. very likely that they just hadn't heard it and they were not being rude to but, me at all. And I shouldn't have got offended. <laughs> so, but but like that, that's like a slightly different scenario because they were at least like really respectful with the way that they responded. They're like, oh yeah, we've heard of him, but we don't really. I couldn't pick a song. That's cool. That's totally understandable. <laughs> yeah, but I'm so but I'm like, so like, but like in that world, I'm just like, yeah, right. You don't know a Black Sabbath song. Very funny, I <laughs> young person. Yeah, but like, <laughs> I, I I can't imagine any scenario in which, fuck, man, I'm trying to think like. Uh, okay, okay. So lately, I've been on a kick of listening to Sid Vicious cover Frank Sinatra's "My Way." Okay, right? Yeah. So never, never would I be like, "Oh, you know, this Sid Vicious. Uh, glad he's shining a spotlight on some obscure artist from the forties. <laughs> that, uh, that that Frankie Blue Eyes. He's gonna have a future." Like, dude, you live. These young people who are posting have grown up with internet their entire life. Even if they were unfamiliar with Ozzy's work, although he's been relevant, like, fairly recently. I mean, he's, the Osbournes and all that. I know that was still, like, early, mid-2000s. It wasn't that long ago. But even if they weren't familiar with it, wouldn't you just be like, Ozzy, I've heard the name. I don't know it. Let me just look him up. Oh, yeah. He's, he's like, the godfather of rock and roll or heavy metal. Like, it's not even that they just don't know who he is. It's that they that 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 they believe that Post Malone is somehow making Ozzy. Well, at least they enjoyed it. It sounds like what you're saying is um, st- even e- even though it bothers you, it does sound like they're they're saying positive things about Ozzy Osbourne that they liked his his uh, you know contribution to the record and so. Listen. I don't trust anyone who likes Post Malone. Everyone knows that Malone was much better than Post Malone. Malone, the Burt and Reynolds Burt, film? And Burt Reynolds was sublime. In it. <laughs> it is worth a watch. Ex-cop, so, ex-CIA, explosive. So stop listening to Post Malone. Let's go watch Malone if you want the good Malone. Why do they have to stop listening to Post Malone? Because it's not as good as Malone. <laughs> so, <laughs> one's a movie. One's, a, I guess, a rapper. Is he a rapper? Listen. I don't know what he is. He's you don't, a joker. You don't even know what he He's is. homeless you, joker. You haven't no, I even know who heard he is. the music. I've heard it. It's not good to me, but I don't need it to be good to me. I mean, there was a lot of emo core stuff that wasn't good to me back in the day. I don't need to like it. Like I'm past the age. I'm past the point in my life where I need to like be mad at stuff I don't like. I just there, there's no point in making yourself seem like a dumbass. Like be smartass, Dave. That's what you're. That's as a teenager. That's what you're supposed to be, Dave. Yes. Let's do a mailbag question. All right, fine. We're moving on. All right, so our mailbag question is anonymous. Uh-oh. And and the question is, what is your favorite Halloween candy? Candy corn. Okay, see, I would say candy corn also, but they don't make vegan candy corn. And you know what? It's it's just the white part of the candy corn. You break it off. You can actually That's there's racist. three segments. It's the yellow, orange, and white, and you can actually separate them. And oh, really? the white part is the no, tastiest. no, no. They put gelatin in it. The, what's that? What? A lot of it has gelatin in it. And that's why you can't eat it. Ma- yeah, yeah. Because gelatin's yeah. not vegan, right? No, it's made from cow hooves. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, if if you were to eat it, you you can separate the pieces uh, without a knife. They they kind of break apart. And the white uh-huh. part is the my favorite candy oh, of Halloween. That's, that's, yeah, sounds very racist. It's that's weird that you go there. Um, what <laughs> what is your favorite Halloween candy? Man, well, it's candy corn, but I can't eat it anymore. So I'm gonna go. <laughs> There's not a vegan version I, of that. There's vegan versions of dude, everything. Uh, dude, I have looked. I have looked everywhere. 
Like you can, I see, I've seen recipes where you can make your own that's vegan. Uh-huh. But I've I've looked for years and I've yet to find a a manufacturer who makes candy corn vegan. Ugh. Some of it doesn't have gelatin, but it's got beeswax. And if it doesn't have beeswax, it's got egg whites. And if it doesn't have egg whites, it's got gelatin. It's just it's it's my it's my cross to bear. No, sir. no beeswax even. No man. You know they kill the bees. They, they don't kill bees, bees to get honey and they wax. They do kill the bees. Yes, they do. No, they raise. Oh the bees. man. Bee, bee, no, uh, they raise the bees and then they kill them during the winter because it's too hard to maintain them. It's easier well, to get new bees. That's not how we do it to... around here. I have some friends who are beekeepers and they do not do that. Yeah, but but your friends aren't probably giving beeswax to Brax candies. <laughs> no, they're making local honey. Yeah, and it's so, wonderful. So we got to keep those bees alive. So no candy corn for me, but I'm going to go with like a, like a Mexican chocolate, maybe a little cayenne with mm. some dark chocolate over an almond, maybe spicy chocolate. That is good stuff, yeah. man. If you don't know about that, y'all get on it. Yeah. Ooh, that is delicious. Ooh, have you ever put a, have you ever put cayenne pepper? I don't know if this is Halloween so much as it is Christmas, but a little cayenne pepper and some dark uh, chocolate cocoa. Uh, you just, you just like stir up the cocoa and then add a little cayenne. Yeah. Ooh, that sounds good. I'm going to try that. Get a little spice, get a little fire burning inside you. So whenever this heat wave finally breaks and, and the weather gets cool mm-hmm. and you want to warm yourself up as you're sitting around outside in the patio, around a fire maybe, the cayenne chocolate is the way to go. Sounds like a good one. All right. Well, on that sweet note, I think we need to end the show. We are running out of time. We do. We do. So enjoy your week, everyone. Hopefully the heat wave ends or you're, you have nice weather wherever you are. And remember, everyone, as a community, let's support those who have created awesome content for us, like Sid Haig. And we didn't even mention Doug Bradley's birthday. Let's support those people when they're going through tough times and, and show our love and well wishes towards them. And we want to wish Sid a speedy recovery and Doug Bradley a happy birthday. Yeah, and good luck to that up-and-comer Ozzy Osbourne, who's just recently been on a track by Post Malone. And I think the kid's got a good career ahead of him. You're listening to the Grindhouse Podcast on the Freakin' Prince of Darkness Network. Please follow us on Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast and listen to us every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, and now on Spotify.